Hey everyone, welcome to the first of our Monday Night Reactions, Monday Night Football Reactions. Uh, first one up is what a lot of us on paper thought was going to be primetime only in its storyline with Russell Wilson returning to Seattle where he played for 10 years. It wasn't supposed to be much of the game until Geno Smith took it over. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, joined by Denver Bronco fan, Michael McQuaid. And Michael, I don't know if that's a title that you wear proudly today. Well, thanks very much for that. I was wondering what you're going to introduce me as there. <laughs> Can I just first of all say for people for people listening to this on on this podcast network, just obviously a massive welcome to you, man. It's it's great to have you on board. Uh, I think anybody that follows uh, the Irish NFL community on Twitter and obviously uh, one SBD once it will drive on on social media, we'll see uh, how fantastic your work is. And um, it might be a number of times <laughs> in person, and I'm I'm buzzing. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really really good season. Like even. If if you've seen the video, folks, of the weekend, like the newspaper articles, that was Mark. I uh, love the Zach, love the Zach Wilson thing, but uh, definitely, um, definitely appreciate you coming on board. And I know it's just the start of great stuff for, for everyone, so definitely appreciate it, man. Uh, in terms of back in the game, Michael, would you believe it was five hundred days since my first appearance on the podcast post draft twenty twenty one? I googled it today. It was five hundred <laughs> on the dot, and I said it must bring that one up. <laughs> 500 days jesus well thank god it wasn't 501 no I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to this and it's good because um we it's it's hard to get content out on a i guess post monday night especially when you have a few broadcasts and and even on a thursday night as well because you go straight into like the weekend slate as well but in terms of wearing that uh <laughs> wearing the fan sort of thing of being a broncos fan look I couldn't believe what I was seeing last night. And I know we'll get into this discussion in a bit. I predicted that it was going to be a blowout. And I thought the Broncos would win by minimum 10 to 14 points. And by God, how wrong I was. Uh, there was a lot of mistakes, man. And it was it's it's frustrating because obviously you said from March and you, you wait for Russell Wilson to come in. And then uh, Russell Wilson does come in and it just doesn't go the way that you want it to go. And it's it's frustrating. But I think I think, you know, in reality, I have to, you know, I guess fans have to accept what's happened. And at the end of the day, for people listening to this that aren't a fan of a certain team, man, it's, uh, you know, for a neutral, big result. Seahawks are top of the NFC West. Russell Wilson gets back. I mean, well, actually, do you know what? I'll jump in for a split second as a co host there. What did you think of the booze? I thought, like, I thought it was so, so unclassy. I mean, the man won them a Lombardi, like, what, yeah, in 2014. No. Do you know what? And I haven't paid a lot or a lot of attention to coverage today, so I don't know if this point has been made. Russell Wilson is a, wa a legend walking back into your building. What ruins the Seahawks fan base to me, and they were supposed to be known as the best fans, is when they boom. Just like I've never looked, and this happened, what, three, four years ago at this point when Andrew Locke didn't announce his retirement. His, announce, his retirement was broken during a preseason game, and the fans in the stadium began to boom on the sideline. And as much as I wish the Colts well as a neutral at the moment, that always is in the back of my head that if they are to lose, and even last year when it was as heartbreaking as it was, I digested it for a second. I said, you know what? Those fans did that to Andrew Luck after he gave them plenty of successes. So what do I think of it? I mean, it's, um, it's a scar that will remain with me for a long time when it comes to Seahawks fans. It obviously isn't all the Seahawks fans, but it's like, Seattle has become known as an absolute fortress to go to. It has built up this passion, so everyone leans into it. And that's what you had the other day. It's like everyone was overwhelmed by whatever was happening last night. 
But when you when you start booing, it's like game over. You like you can't get caught doing that. And they have to own that now. Um, and yeah, supremely disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, and apparently, I was talking to Colin before he came on here, and he was saying that apparently P. Carl was on local radio today saying uh, it was a sweet, one of the sweetest victories of his career. Somebody called it the Seattle Super Bowl on Twitter last night. Uh, but here, man, they're top of the NFC West. I mean, it couldn't yeah. have went better for them, could it? Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a tweet ready to go, Michael. So uh, I didn't watch the game live. I had to watch it in the game in 40, which we'll come to in a bit because I think that's uh, relevant because the game in 40 doesn't really give you the same emotion that was a tie to that game. But I woke up this morning ready to put out a tweet that last year's best division in football, the NFC West, had not got a single win. I had power rankings all, all written in pay, pencil, but pretty much in pen, ready to go. And I see... Seattle is after doing it. Low scoring game as it was, 17-16. That, look, there, there's more to it than just beating Denver yesterday. I know that what you say is true, that it was Seattle's Super Bowl because they didn't really have aspirations, true aspirations of making a postseason push. I really looked at it as a tank job with the quarterback set up. Like, look, at the end of the day, I was flying back from London last year after the Atlanta Jets game, and that was the same weekend as Geno Smith had had his first start after Russell Wilson had gotten injured. And we were just talking about how bad it was and, you know, that there's not much you can do. And now this whole offseason has genuinely put played out and they have stuck with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I didn't see that coming at all. So when it does happen and you're like, Geno Smith is a genuine week one starter, I'm looking at their record thinking this is an 0-16 team. Funny enough, Michael, after the game yesterday, the odds on favorites, the Chicago Bears, the Seattle Seahawks, even the Houston Texans, Detroit Lions were close to coming off it. The tough teams that everyone fancied for going 0-16 or 0-17 now have all got off the... They've, they, they won't have an egg. I mean, look, the Texans drew or whatever. But that, that's where it was for Seattle. And I kind of... I started to believe in their team. Look, they only scored, what, 17 points. But when it actually comes to it, like Shane Waldron was always supposed to have a better offense that was focused more on tight ends. And yesterday, like, that really came to fruition. When Will Disney scores his, what was it, a 35-yard touchdown, Bradley Chubb jumped and showed some immaturity that you're kind of like, well, this is why Von Miller was so good and why it was great to have them side by side. Because I, I don't know what you thought, but I, he... he Look, it was it was a broken play, but to leave Disley the way that he did was embarrassing. And he's just left in like it was um, picking the middle line at that point. And was Will Disley has like fifteen yards of space. I literally forgot about that because I was on a pre I was on a podcast prior to this, like uh, it was a Broncos podcast, and I was talking about how good Bradley Chubb was towards the end of the game. He had two. He was the only Broncos player to have a sack in the game, two sacks, and it's obviously. Uh, it's a big, it's a big year for him because he's coming off a an injury and a few sort of stop start years. But I think that Disley touchdown sort of set the it set the tone for the game because the the fans were so riled up. And then Geno Smith comes out and does that. It's like Jesus, lads, come on! Like, um, first drive too. That, and they they look good in that first drive as well. So yeah, like I think um, Geno looked fresh. He looked really yeah. confident. His 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 passing numbers through his career, his passer or his completion percentage fifty nine point five percent for context for li- for context for listeners sixty five percent is an average completion percentage. Yesterday he goes off, and his completion percentage is over eighty percent eighty two point one percent. 
like that's a one game sample size but that is an incredible game from Geno Smith so it shows that he clearly was up for it. like it was important for him just as it was emotional for Russell Wilson to be playing that game yesterday and obviously the media cares more about that but there was a lot like Geno Smith could not have played any better than what he did when he came out yesterday I mean good for him obviously but I do think part of it like come on like the obviously the flags like he was bailed out a, a few times with flags that Denver was given away but for one of the best I suppose secondaries in the NFL, like they shouldn't be letting Geno Smith go off like that. I don't know if if you watched the game in forty. I'm not sure if you've seen what what he said at the end about how uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but he was busically saying, "I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll try and get it." Off was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and was then, wondering where um, they came from. It's like they uh, they wrote me <laughs> off. I never wrote them back. Shelby Harris then said at the end to James Palmer on NFL Network, uh, James Palmer was like, have you anything to say about this? And all? He goes, I've only one thing to say, and that's right. And he walked away immediately. So uh, <laughs> I'd say he was a very happy man last night. Yeah, it's it was strange. I, I know you were sort of asking about the the way they opened up and, and also with Geno Smith. Geno Smith was, Frank, look, at the end of the day, the, the, the only negatives for Seattle last night were they didn't score more points. They're a team that over the last few years have relied on on the run an awful lot with various different players. Last night, they only had Rashad Penny, who had 12 carries for 60 yards. So they only had an average of like five yards per run. And then next best rusher was Geno Smith. So he really relied heavily on that pass. So to go 23 out of 25, which going by my GCSE slash leaving cert Maz is, yeah, around 80%. Is class, especially when he had more touchdowns than Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson had 300 all passing yards when he had one touchdown. Um, I will say though that the touchdown pass to Judy was class. I, yeah, I really thought yeah. when I thought whenever that happened, man, that they were going to pull away. Seriously, I thought, all right, this is it. This is it. This you, you will stop tweet, the whole thing. And then it just you tweet up, Michael last night that was essentially that uh, it's been six years without an offense or something along those lines. And again, I woke up to Twitter thinking that I was going to read that the Broncos were after trouncing Seattle. And that was one of the first ones that I saw. Was that it? That it was kind of one of the games that you're waiting for it to take off. Like it was low scoring at the end of the day, 17-16. Was that the moment that you're like, all right, season's starting now? Ironically, I think that tweet was sent before there was a touchdown scored. I think it was like the first drive the Broncos had. Well, um, you had 65 yards to run. You had a good amount of time to get the tweet out. It was funny. I, I do think it was the first drive because uh, it was definitely before. It just felt more like, I mean, I some of the some of the quarterbacks that I've watched, the Broncos fan, like from Trevor Simeon to Brett Rippon, etc. You could see the difference already, regardless of the of the noise in the stadium. It just it felt like a proper, proper sort of primetime game. One where I think a lot of people were sort of against that at the start because they thought Seattle were going to be maybe not at the level they should have been at. And look, they obviously were last night. They won the game. But when I sent that tweet, I was confident. I, I was confident prior to I thought the Broncos would smash them. In the same way, I think that that, and this is probably sort of going towards like wrapping up my thoughts on the game generally, to be honest with you. I think last night's not too concerning. You know, you have 170 yards combined there between Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton receiving alone. Javante Williams has got 100 yards both receiving and rushing together. It's just trying to fix up um, some sort of mistakes in the defense, trying to have more pressures at, at the quarterback and just trying to make sure that the game flows more. There was way too many players in the preseason that didn't play a preseason snap or barely played. And I think that needs to be addressed next year. But I'm not too concerned about this team. I think they'll go in at the weekend and beat the Texans. My, my main concern, Mark, is 
and it's not even a concern. Like my main thought on the Broncos is if you compare them to that Chargers game, uh, that that Chargers team at the weekend in SoFi and, and the way the Chiefs played against your team, the Arizona Cardinals, that's not the level that you know that they're not they're not near that level yet. So um it's gonna be an intriguing season. I, I it's it's been I guess a disappointing opening night for for Broncos fans, but for a neutral in the league, it it opens it up beautifully, and then you've got an AFC West game this Thursday that I know is going to be electric as well. There's two strands that can almost go down here when you're talking about it opening up. Um, I wonder what kind of I I put out the power rankings earlier on, and one word that I used was parity, and it was kind of the, the thinking about like. Like I mentioned earlier on, these teams that we thought were going to go winless or certainly were going to struggle for a win through much of the year have already gotten one. And I wonder, is the seller of the NFL going to be higher this year? I think there's a lot of teams that are way out in front of the rest. I think there's eight elite teams and then 24 that could beat each other, really. So it's going to keep everyone entertained because the sixth and seventh seed could be open up because this wasn't the only result like this all weekend like the Colts should not have been tying with the Texans the Saints should not have been almost in a blowout by the Falcons until they last minute get it back so it's exciting for everyone because so many neutrals were not neutrals when their team was losing and all of a sudden you're in the NFC West and you're thinking well the Rams and the 49ers and Gardeners are all 0-0 when they're all or sorry 0-1 when they're all playoff teams last year but coming back to Denver one concern quotes that I would have and it was going into the year and I was texting Brian actually Irish and show Brian about this only a week ago rookie head coaches don't just come in always, some of them do some of them don't I mean Matt, uh, Matt uh, Lafleur did in his first year there's, there's plenty of examples but one one tends to make the playoffs each year and then six don't there's always eight head coaches on average one will make the playoffs and six don't in the AFC West, you have Josh McDaniels and you have Nathaniel Hackett. It's you don't just automatically come in and you know make a massive impact. So in game one, it's tough. And Nathaniel Hackett found out that last night playing against a Seattle defense that Pete Carroll is obviously in charge of. But when it's obviously the decision at the end, which is obvious and we haven't even talked about it, so obvious. Why are you kicking for 64 yards? But the other one that we can talk about real briefly, Michael. 12 penalties for 106 yards. Penalties come from a 40-coach team, they often say. And a new head coach just was on top of his players there. Two words for you there. Garth Bowles. Garth Bowles had this, was it his first three years in Denver where it was like, if you had a drinking game every week, when Garth Bowles had a penalty, you'd at least be tipsy by halftime. And then suddenly he somehow started to play and had a had a brief spell where he was okay and got his extension, got paid, um <laughs> or got his option at least. Guard bowls last night way too many, way too many calls. I would agree with you. And I think it's it's something to look down the stretch in a few weeks to see if if it has improved. I can understand it's a it's a new system. It's a new head coach. It takes time to implement, but Mistakes like that can't be happening down the stretch. You got the Texans on Sunday. You've got the you got the Bears. Uh, sorry, not the Bears. You got the San Francisco 49ers uh, on primetime Sunday Night Football in Week Three as well. I'll I'll even jump to the the decision at the end. You know, we, we had situations, Mark, with with Vrabel, with uh, Zach Taylor on Sunday, 
and now this on Monday. Um, it's like going to the like I the only way I can describe it to maybe people in Ireland listening to this the whole situation with Nathaniel Hackett, it's like going to the Gale talk, and you can't speak Irish. <laughs> what the hell is he at like at the end? What like what the hell was that like? It was it was twenty five past four in the morning in Ireland. A minute left in the game. The Broncos have three timeouts. I can't remember exactly what what yard the ball was on. Was it like on the like the the Broncos forty yard line? So they, yeah, they, well, for they needed like yards, it's ten or twelve or fifteen yards. Yeah, and for him to let that clock run down is it's concerning. Thirteen but, seconds, wasn't it? So I think apparently I have to watch this back. I thought the clock was originally at fifty, and it went down to twenty after it it, it ran down. Or it, I was chatting to Colin, and he said it was a minute. I haven't got it on me right now, but there's two elements here. First off, you know you've got a two hundred and fifty-six million dollar quarterback who I'm sure will happily play on fourth and five. Okay, take the timeout. You got three timeouts. Take the timeout. Talk to Russell. Talk to the offense. If you have to, if you have to shout a bit louder because it's loud, that's fine. Obviously, if they were to hypothetically go back and then play that play fourth and five game on the line, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be it's gonna be rowdy. But that that's the way an NFL game is, especially in that situation. For him to run that out and then take the timeout suggests that he was planning to take uh, the field goal. Now. For people that are listening, maybe listening to this, maybe for the first time as NFL fans, like we've both been in Denver, like the altitude is a major factor and it does help feel it does help kickers. Brandon McManus um, has missed every 62 yard plus field goal. Uh, he missed 62 yards. Yeah. So at, at what point last night did, did Hackett think, hmm, or is it a situation a bit like, a bit like Zach Taylor at the weekend, a bit like Vrabel at the weekend, a bit like Harborough last year going for two for the crack. So at some points with the Ravens, he just thought, I'm an offensive minded coach. I'm a bit eccentric. Let's go for it for the crack. Let's let's try and win this game and get a big win and get out of here. I I, I genuinely think the call that Nathaniel Hackett made as an NFL fan, not, not, not a Broncos fan, genuinely, as someone who's watched the game for 12, 13, 14 years now, that is the worst call I've seen. You what have to wonder. Up, man? You have to wonder. It seems definitely like nerves got the better of him because you know we have to you know give it to him. It is his first game. He you know he's you know he's in charge now and it's his decision. But you have to wonder. Like Russell Wilson has made his living coming out with insane plays out of nowhere that he doesn't deserve to win a game and he goes off and wins and then they make let Russ cook. Let Russ cook last night should have been the call because. It's also what that meant. It's like he was going to put his body on the line in that moment. It would have, whatever about McManus taking the kick, Rosa Wilson has to win this game. And he's one of those players that really thrives under pressure, clearly. What more pressure is there than here's the ball. You need a touchdown now to beat your old team. You're going to be embarrassed because the loss will be put on you then. Or you can have the whole win and all the glory that goes along it. And this place is going to be with all hell, but you're going to love it. And to say, no, look, we're going to kick. It's got to know what the game is about. You know, like this was put on prime time because of the storyline, not because of it was going to be a particularly talentful game from Seattle, we thought. That I I was stunned when I started to read about it and certainly when I watched it back. 
it's one of those moments that you definitely want to have back. But then you also wonder what impact does it have today with Russell Wilson's relationship? Because they're still only, you know, getting to know each other really in terms of a long working relationship with himself and Nathaniel Hackett. That you often hear about this a year down the line, like you're Aaron Rodgers and Lafleur. They seem to be getting on great now. But in their first year together, they didn't seem to be getting on well. And that was the year that Green Bay missed the playoffs last. And I think the key for I think I think the key for that is it's it's cutting around all that talk and just having good relationships. It's been all talk in Denver for the last six months in, in a positive way. They, and even going outside of that, Mark, they've they've brought in the new ownership scheme. They've actually got an owner for the first time now in years because their owner previously was was ill and, and and passed away. And even at the time they won the Super Bowl with Manning, he he wasn't you know he wasn't present. He wasn't medically fit to be present. So there hasn't been someone there. It, there there is a lot going on behind the scenes, but you, you need to have some sort of consistency where if you bring someone and you got this offensive minded coach, him and Wilson need to get on. It's just it's weird. But I'm not getting too concerned. I'm not going to start comparing it to Lafleur and Rogers in year one yet. Uh, let's see what <laughs> happens on Sunday. Um, here, um, is there? I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that we can talk about that we haven't talked about at all? Um, what, what, no, what there's one, one thing. That, there, there's one thing. One other thing that I think Nathaniel Hackett didn't go to was Cortland Sutton early enough. He needs to, you know, be able to target his big players early. I think that's, you know, it's all part of this learning curve that is going to be part of Nathaniel Hackett and just this new era of the Broncos, like you're saying there. The sky isn't falling in. It's great to have this kind of passion for Denver fans and for people looking in on Denver that we see them as such a genuine contender and threat. Certainly, they have to make the playoffs this year, you'd imagine, that this is the way that you kind of have to frame it because it's that competitive environment now that, you know, they have gone all in with their Russell Wilsons and, you know, letting your Von Millers go because you're free no cap space elsewhere, that the sky isn't falling in. A lot of teams lost. There is a whole season ahead of us and... Way to go, Seattle, of course. I mean, we're, we're almost focusing too much on the Denver Broncos. Like, it was a great win for them, yes, and they really stood up when it came. And we probably shouldn't be too negative. It's week one. Just happy to have another 17 weeks of this to go, Michael. And there's a heap of Seattle fans in Ireland that'll be buzzing today. So even to, even maybe to finish on them. Um, I was I was sort of, I was honestly blown away by how comfortable Geno Smith looked. But, you know, they didn't even have that many that many completions in terms of receiving. They only had a combination of about, well, Will Dizzy had 40 flea yards receiving. Colby Parkinson had 40 flea as well. The, the two guys that scored touchdowns. DK Metcalf only had 30 odd yards. Tyler Lockett under 30 yards receiving in, a, the, in an the NFL. Guy as well. Um, no well, sorry, the tight ends anyway. It was a lot, a lot of tight end play, which there were names that I can't even roll off my tongue right now. It's like there's still early, early days with them that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a new look offense. Like I was saying, I think they, if the offensive line is finally where they've been trying to get it for so long, you know, they've been building that thing like a brick wall. Like they've just been putting the biggest bodies there for the last few years. And I think they're kind of coming away from that because it wasn't working. You know, they were a bit stuck in the mud that, yes, yeah, Seattle obviously has some things to look forward to. It's an untraditional offense, but like you saw the amount of time that Geno Smith had last night, like he was able to like move at will and then he was stepping up in the pocket at the right time. And that even that's what led to the Will Disley touchdown is because he stood up at the right time. Everyone thinks it's a broken play and then he puts it over his head because the offensive line was standing up to it. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely definite positives there um, for Seattle. I mean, do I think there's only a genuine threat? 
it's probably a bit of a flash in the pan for me genuinely they play the 49ers the weekend Mark that's one thing I will say if there's yeah, a time the to play the 49ers it's this weekend in San Fran because it's all all the viewpoint now is on Trey Lance and the whole situation there obviously Trey Lance is the guy but he didn't have a great week one there was obviously certain issues there in terms of both sides of the ball but then George Kittle wasn't active but you know Lance is under pressure this weekend so for Geno Smith you know, nobody's given, let, let's be quite clear here. Like a lot of people, a lot of so-called experts, whatever, whatever, are not given Seattle a chance. So what, what have they got to lose? The Cardinals yeah, are like, I mean. They're, they're, they're riding a wave now, Seattle. We didn't mention Jamal Adams' injury, which, look, it, it actually sounds brutal, but it's like, what has he been doing of late as well? You know, like he is a superstar player. He's been paid like a superstar, but he hasn't been playing like the superstar he was with the Jets. But it definitely is still a brutal injury to take on so early in the year. Um, as we record this, we don't have an update on it, but like it's a serious squad injury is it's it sounds like it's it's a few weeks, if not the season that he's out for. But the rest of the team is certainly living in a bubble. Like that must have been loud last night. And so the players they have that kind of support. The final Denmark. It was that loud. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I believe it. I suppose the um the the way that they'll go off now and have that fan, or sorry, have that buzz behind them, knowing that that's left behind in Seattle. That's massive. Like that's you know that's momentum. Whether you believe in it or not, those players take that kind of stuff and they bottle it up. So. It's an interesting one for 49ers. I know we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves now, but I, I, I don't know. I was in Chicago, and I tweeted this to someone asked over the weekend. I was in Chicago in one of those miserable days last year, and when it's bad, it is shocking. It is Chicago's weird like that, so I just don't think it gave the 49ers a genuine chance of running their offense. And like at the end of the day, people are pumping the Chicago Bears up to number 20 in power rankings. I'm like, give me a break. The team on paper is not there and it's not even close it was you know just ground and pound football that was being played the other day i don't know if it was a genuine reflection of what happened we'll find out this weekend i mean they couldn't have a harder game could they go in a lambo field for, for green bay and um, the good thing about this i'm talking to you here man on this whole monday night thing is there's two monday night games next week you got the the Titans against the Bills and the Vikings against the Eagles. Look at me having learnt the schedule off today. <laughs> How sad is that? And um, no, it, it should be a good crack. But um, well, yeah, I'm it's, excited it's, for it's, uh, it's, it's definitely good to chat to you. Soon. When it comes to the Monday night, will um, I'll be at the Cardinals Patriots, and I think it's week sixteen. We'll have to do some form of a live, uh, a live Arizona. So we'll. Leave from, the that box. from the press box we'll leave that treat out there uh, look <laughs> I don't think there's much more to say it's a disappointing loss for the Denver Broncos a great one for Seattle Seahawks but we've 17 weeks ahead you're not going to lose too much sleep no it'll be grand I've lost a lot of sleep over the last two nights so I, I am I'm definitely fading here but uh, looking forward to, to week two man just just looking forward to the football it was great to have football back at the weekend but but also Mark uh, hell of a game on Thursday with the Chiefs and the Chargers yeah. and we're going to see a lot about this Chargers team. Like everyone wants to see it. They legit, they struggled for, yeah, they, I would say they struggled against the Red. I thought they were going to come out all guns blazing. Uh, everyone's talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously watching that, I'm a Cardinals fan. I think that the Cardinals gave up a lot of plays to Mahomes. I mean, like it, like it is not difficult to beat the Cardinals right now. It's not. And people, you know, think, oh, it's Kyler Murray. Like, Kyler Murray has nothing to do with defending Patrick Mahomes. They stank. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes put a ball into Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker's hands, 
and he dropped it. He was nervous or something. And I was thinking, like, those plays don't get picked up by NFL Network and all your, you know, that Patrick Mahomes, he was great. He was fantastic. He was amazing. But there was also plays left out there by Arizona. A few plays at that because they were so useless. But um, the, 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 I, I think the Chiefs, not that they're going to get caught napping, but they had it so easy that I hope the Chargers can bring a bit more to them. Uh, but it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic game. And I'm look, really looking forward to listening to uh, the two boys now. Um, Al Michaels after moving over to the Thursday night slot. Should we go crack on Thursday? Uh, no, here's there. It's 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 gonna be, it's gonna be a crack. I I I don't want to give away my pick, but I do think Justin Herbert balls out in Thursday night. Let, let's see what happens. I, think I hope so. Great. I hope so. I I honestly couldn't give you a pick right now. I think it's amazing. Uh, we'll leave it there until next week when we'll have the two one night games, or on Tuesday we'll have those. And um, we'll talk to you then. Thanks a million, man. Chances.